What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the very first episode of Season 3 of the UConn Hockey Podcast. My name is Matthew, and I'll be your host for this season. And on today's episode, we will be previewing the upcoming UConn men's hockey season, as well as recapping the latest weekend series with the UConn women's hockey team against Penn State. Before we start this interview, make sure you please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Yukon Hockey Pod, and make sure to subscribe to our Apple Podcast page and follow us on Spotify. This helps us get new listeners and helps the podcast grow, and we would really appreciate it. Without further ado, here's today's episode. Enjoy. Well, we finally made it through another offseason, and this Saturday, the Yukon men's hockey team opens up their first series against Colgate in a two-game road set to start off the season. Uh, on this episode, we'll be just be previewing the team like we always do, just going through each position groups, giving our thoughts on the different storylines and what we can expect uh, from really each player and just the season in general. And at the end of this episode, we'll give our goals and expectations for the upcoming season. Really excited to be doing this podcast for three years now, three seasons. It's pretty crazy to believe it's been going by this fast, but I love doing it and I hope you guys enjoy listening. And joining me on today's episode is my co-host, Chris. Chris, thank you so much for coming back on uh, for another season. And do you have any opening remarks before we get into today's episode? Yeah, Matt, thanks for having me back on again. Really looking forward to a new hockey season that starts next weekend, as you mentioned before. So that's going to be great. And looking forward to uh, talking with you during throughout the year of uh, for the UConn Hockey Pod and, and what happens this season. I expect some big things this year. So like we do on every preview episode, we go through each position group, give our thoughts on that, and then we'll obviously end up talking just about our overall expectations of the team. So I thought we would start off in net and then sort of work our way up through the ice. And with goaltending, just a little recap, off-season recap, uh, two departures in net, Ryan Keene, the third string goalie, graduated, and then obviously the big move was Logan Turnus, uh, the 1A goalie or 1B goalie to Arseny Sergeyev, transferred to Ohio State. And because of this, uh, UConn added a transfer from Clarkson named Ethan Hader. Ethan Hader last season played in 35 games, had 16 wins, 16 losses, and three ties, and he had a 2.51 goals against average and a .906 save percentage as well. Uh, He's a 2019 Nashville Predators draft pick, and I think he'll be a good addition to this uh, net mining crew. And Matt Pasquale is returning for another season to be the third string goalie. Uh, I'll start off with you, Chris. What's your overall thoughts on just everything going on in net and uh, with the transfer of Ethan Hader? Yeah, so, uh, you know, wondering what they were going to do when Turnus left the uh, the program this year, but they went out and got, you know, Hader from Clarkson, you know, pretty decent goalie. So I think, you know, Cav has been quoted as saying, you know, it's important to have two good goaltenders uh, in, you know, in the program so you can have a backup and have some insurance because it's a long season. I would expect them to, you know, have a tandem uh, between him and Sergeev, and and I think as they get towards the end of the season, I would expect that you know maybe they'll settle on one goaltender, but uh, certainly you know I think Cav has always had a really good experienced goaltender in his program, and so I think you know when he looked at it, you know looked at Sergeev only playing a little bit last year, I think he felt you know that he wanted to go out and get somebody who seasoned and had some experience and and to sort of help you know maybe push Sergeev along and and provide some some insurance for them as they go into the season. 
Yeah, you definitely can't have a goalie on your roster that has only played 16 games as the guy who's had the most game experience. So I definitely agree with you that Hayter was a necessary addition to the team. And it gives someone for Sergeyev to sort of uh, fight with and someone to push Sergeyev in practice, which I think is important as well. And obviously he has a, great, a lot of great qualities. He was a huge um, com- contributor to Clarkson's team and really excited to see what he does in a UConn jersey this season. And obviously last Last time UConn got a grad transfer goalie from the UCAC, it worked out pretty well with Darian Hansen. Uh, sort of getting back to your point, Chris, though, about what they're going to probably do with the goaltending. I definitely agree with you that they're going to be probably doing a goalie rotation to start off the season. Um, but I, I would hope at some point down the stretch of the season, maybe near the CT Ice Tournament, that they do decide on one goalie. My one sort of issue last season was I felt like they only they kept going with the rotation, even though they probably should have stuck with Sergeyev uh, towards the stretch of the season. I really highlight that end of the season BC game on the road when they started Turnus, and it just felt like Turnus wasn't giving them the best chance to win in that game. And I feel like you also wanted Sergeyev to sort of give, give him some games before the postseason. And I understand that people were saying like, oh, well, what if one transferred? And obviously that ended up happening. But I feel like if like if Hader's playing better than Sergeyev, you gotta start Hader. And vice versa, if Sergeyev is playing better than Hader, I would hope that Cav would make the decision and play one of these goalies and stick with it and not try to continue the rotation like he did last year. And that's just my opinion. But I just felt like the rotation wasn't entirely great uh, for the team last year. It wasn't a failure, but it wasn't a success as well. That's sort of my evaluation of it. And I feel like at some point you gotta pick with one guy, in my opinion. I think so. I mean, you know, it feels like you want to go with one person, build up some consistency with that person as you roll into the, the, the postseason. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see how it works and we'll see, you know, what, what he does. And, I mean, it feels like in the past he sort of rolled with one goaltender and, you know, last year he obviously didn't. And I think, you know, it's going to depend on how these guys play. Maybe they do go with the tandem if they feel like it works. But, yeah, I certainly, in my mind, think that they would go with, uh, you know, with one goaltender as they roll into the postseason. Well, if you look at the last few national championship winning teams in the last 10 years, pretty much all of them besides UMass went with one goalie throughout the entire season. Quinnipiac did it with Yanni Peretz. Denver did it with Magnus Krona. And Duluth did it when they won those back-to-back national championships with Hunter Shepard. So you see it all the time. And personally, I just find... Uh, you, I feel like when you stick with one goalie, it works out better than when you do the rotation. I think a perfect example of this is what Providence did last season. Last season, they brought in a transfer from Omaha named Austin Roden, and they had a highly touted freshman in Phillips Fedback. And clearly Nate Lehman saw something in practices where he thought Svedback was the guy and he kept going with him throughout the season, and even though Roden transferred probably to get more playing time at Providence. And I hope uh, Cav will do something similar. If he sees something in Sergeyev that he's doing well in practice, he will go with him even though Hayter transferred here to hopefully get uh, some playing time. So I hope they stick with one goalie at some point. I don't mind the rotation to start off the season, but... Like I said before, I feel like at some point you've got to stick with one goalie throughout the entire season, just to someone to roll with. And clearly if something happens, then that means the season isn't going the way we thought it would, which I hope doesn't happen. Yeah, I'd agree with you. I would agree with you. Any more thoughts on the hater transfer, or uh, do you want to go on to the next topic? No, I think we covered it. I think it's, you know, I, I like it. And, uh, you know, I think it. I think it's a, a 
you know, to me, it's a position of strength for UConn. I think they have two decent goalies, you know, in uh, that they'll have two decent goalies in that, and uh, I, I like it. I am excited to see year two of Arseny Sergeyev. I thought he showed flashes of uh, athleticism and what he could be this uh, this past season, and I think we're going to get a much better Arseny Sergeyev. And as a freshman, to have a 9-12 save percentage and a 2.61 goals against average is pretty good. So I feel like that. I feel like those numbers will be even better next season with the year under his belt, and I feel like that's just going to make him even tougher to beat for opposing uh, forwards and defensemen as well. For sure, and obviously, you know, it's all going to depend on how their uh, defensemen perform. So let's let's move on to the defensive group. So the defensive group didn't really have many, only one really key departure in Roman Canal as he signed his professional contract with the San Jose Barracuda. Uh, so definitely going to miss Captain Canal. And also Aiden Metcalf, he left the program to pursue his engineering degree. Uh, shout out to him. I feel like that's a good decision for him just because he really didn't get a lot of playing time. Uh, so UConn is adding two defensemen in Owen Simpson. Um, in 54 games in the BCHL, he had four goals and 12 assists and had 16 points. And then they added Connecticut native Bauer Swift from the North American Hockey League. Uh, he had played in 55 games last season, had five goals, 13 assists for 18 points. I don't expect Bauer Swift to play too much this season. My expectation is either Jack Pascucci or Owen Simpson will fill in uh, for that sixth defenseman spot. Um, any? Do you have any idea who, who you think might? I feel like it's going to be Pascucci just because he has six games and he played last year, or Simpson's still a freshman trying to figure things out. But obviously, Cav knows more about that than we do, and if he sees something in Simpson in practice, he's going to go with him. But I just for my just my ultimate guess, it's probably going to be Pascucci. Uh, I'd probably go with Pascucci cause just because he has a little bit more of that experience. I think that's how the coaching staff would probably trend. But I will say with Owen Simpson, you know, 6'5", 190, big defenseman. Uh, be interesting to see to you know have somebody there sort of with that length and reach and uh, you know uh, so I don't know we'll see you know I, I'd, I'd be interested to see that that uh, you know big defenseman back there particularly as you know he gets a little bit older and puts on a little more weight I think you know could be a, a really you know sort of solid sort of defenseman back on that decor. Now the big thing with the decor is that Jake Flynn and Harrison Reese are returning for their fifth year. Uh, definitely adds a lot of experience in the back end, which was sort of a concern heading into the offseason is whether those guys would come back or not and how inexperienced the defense would be. But it's good that they're going to have the experienced back end because if you notice from a lot of successful teams, the back end having a lot of experience in that leads to a lot of success. And I think that's definitely going to be an advantage for UConn is if you look at a team like you know BC, their defensemen are pretty young and a lot of other teams in hockey. So that's something I'm excited to see. But the big thing with the defensemen, at least in my opinion, is they've been good. But I feel like you're missing something with some of them sometimes, especially offensively. Because with Andrew Lucas, we saw how incredible he is offensively, especially in the power point, how he sort of revitalized that. But then the second half, I felt like he was invisible for some games and didn't really have that spark that he did in the first half of the season. I'm curious what you think about that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if that's a coaching thing, whether they don't, they want their defensemen to stay more at home versus, you know, pushing the puck. I would imagine you know, the way the game's trending, you want your defensemen pushing the puck a little bit more. So I'm hoping to see a little bit more of that, you know, this year from the team where the defense, you know, moves the puck from their end uh, to the other end a little bit more quickly. But, you know, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I, I think they tend to trend to be a little bit more defensive minded. So uh, we'll see. We'll see if the coaching staff makes some adjustments this year and, and wants them to push the pace a little bit more. 
I definitely feel like you'll see that because Flynn has shown offensive signs of how good he can be, and same with John Spetz as well. So I think the big thing with me and the big thing that the defense has to improve on is zone breakouts. That was a huge problem for them last year. I feel like they really struggled to get the puck out of their own zone, and it caused a lot of problems. I think we sort of noticed that in the UMass Lowell playoff game where uh, they really struggled to do that, and it sort of led to the two River Hawk goals that they had. I don't know how you fix it, but that's something I hope to see an improvement on for this season. Yeah, you just got to get quicker with your breakouts. You know, get your passes out quicker, get them more crisp, and uh, keep moving your feet. So now let's move on to the forwards. Uh, so there has been some turn. This is where all the turnover took place uh, for this UConn team as really three players left, but I'll include Adam Dawes. He left um, in the middle of last season uh, when he signed his ECHL contract, but Ty Amonte graduated. Justin Pearson signed his pro contract with the Columbus Blue Jackets organization, and the biggest departure of the season is Ryan Torberg signed with the Toronto Maple Leafs. But UConn did add some key players, specifically in Ryan Mashey. I hope I pronounced that correctly. I'll definitely get that right as the season uh, progresses. Um, in 31 games with R- RPI, he had 15 goals and 7 assists for 22 points. Was definitely one of the top transfers in the portal uh, this this spring, so I'm glad UConn got him. And they also got two other kind of key def- uh, freshmen in Jake Richard and Joey Meldowney. Jake Richard is a Buffalo Sabres prospect, and in 27 games in the USHL, he had 27 points, and he's definitely going to be a key contributor in the offense in the second and third line. And then Mo Downey, he's a San Jose Sharks draft pick, and he had 29 points in the USHL in 61 games last year. They also added Oliver Flynn, who played in the USHL as well, and in 58 games with the Waterloo Blackhawks, he had 20 points. So uh, I expect the three freshmen, like I mentioned, Mo Downey, Richard, and I guess Mashey as a transfer to be three impact players in the forward group. Oliver Flynn, we'll see if he can make the lineup or not, but regardless, he definitely has uh, some skill, if he's getting recruited to play for UConn. Uh, what is your overall thoughts on this forward group, Chris, and what we can expect from the players? So, yeah, I would agree with you. You know, those players that you mentioned, certainly it'll be interesting to see them, you know, sort of in the mix. But, you know, have a lot of sophomores, obviously, on this forward group as well, which, uh, you know, but I'll be looking to see, you know, the type of season Samu Salomon has. I'm expecting him to have a big season and a breakout season. I think, obviously, you know, the one person everybody's looking to see what kind of season he has is Matthew Wood. You know, what, what will he bring to uh, to his second year in college hockey? So some intriguing players, you know, on that forward group and expecting some big things from a couple of those, you know, players uh, who are going into their second year. Yeah, for sure. And I think we I think the big thing with me with the forward group is I hope we can see some breakout seasons from some of these guys, specifically, uh, in my opinion, Nick Capone and Chase Bradley. Obviously, Bradley specifically had a really good year last year, but I felt like we can. I feel like there's, there, there. They can hit another level, specifically with Capone as well, because Capone, he's obviously a big physical presence, but I feel like sometimes that gets him in trouble. And I hope that he can potentially use some of that physical, translate some of that physical presence into more offense and be a little more balanced with it, rather than oh, I'm not scoring, so I'm just going to hit somebody and go to the box. If that makes sense. Well, it's no problem with hitting somebody, but just don't go to the box. You know, don't overdo it. I mean, I think there's 
there's a, a role of physicality in, in the sport still. And so, you know, you can certainly, you know, I, I think, you know, play that role where, you know, you can bring some physicality to it, create some turnovers, you know, and have some of your, you know, your other Ford groups, you know, to capitalize on those turnovers and, and you know, try to score off of them. So, uh, you know, I think there's a good mix here. Um, you know, I think you could sort of same the thing with, you know, Chase Bradley. It's like, you know, just make sure we don't take, you know, some, it's one thing to be physical, but let's try to minimize the penalties, uh, you know, because that, that's going to be important, particularly with some of the teams you're going to be playing this year in Hockey East. Yeah, I'm really excited to see some year two players, specifically Salomon, like you mentioned. I thought he showed a lot of promise towards the second half of the season. And I think with a full season under his belt, he should be a really good player for this UConn team. Um, I think the big question lineup-wise is who will be uh, those bottom six players. My expectation is it will probably be Jake Black for that final forward spot. Maybe uh, they'll, they'll throw in Valu maybe as an extra forward, but I'm definitely interested to see if maybe Cartman and Tattle can get more playing time. Uh, only Tattle played in 13 games and Cartman played in six. Uh, those are just some lineup things that I'm curious to see. But I do hope Jake Black gets more playing time. I really liked what I saw from him in his nine games that he played for UConn as a freshman. And I feel like I feel like he can fill in a good – I think he can be a good fourth liner, everyday fourth liner for this team that can provide some physicality and sort of wear down uh, teams. And when that first line pops in from a lineup change, uh, they can be they, they can tire out those defensemen and the guys like Wood and Shandor could uh, create some good opportunities and potentially score some good goals as well. I think what you're going to find is for their bottom six, there's going to be a lot of opportunities for guys to get playing time if they can step up their game and, you know, make some contributions. So uh, I think the, the bottom six is open. And, you know, I think if, if you want to take your opportunity, uh, you know, there, there's going to be a spot for you. So I would expect some of these guys to make the most of their opportunities and, and get some regular consistent playing time. Definitely. And obviously, one more player I want to mention is uh, Jake Percival. I thought he had a really good first half of the season. He's sort of struggled a little bit in the second half of the season. Definitely had a little bit of a swoon, which sometimes happens for freshmen. But I feel like he's a player that can have another sort of more consistent breakout season. Not a first half breakout season, but like a full breakout season, if that sort of makes sense. I'm really excited to see what we see from him this year because I really liked him a lot. Yeah, he finished the season, you know, scoring six goals and six assists. I expect him to, you know, probably contribute a little bit more to that. So, yeah, certainly, again, looking forward to a lot of these guys, you know, their second season, you know, having one season under their belt, you know, understanding the game a little bit more and seeing, you know, what they've done in the offseason and what they're going to bring to, uh, you know, to the to the team this year. Yeah, I think if the forward group can reach its full potential, uh, this will be a scary team to watch, especially on the power play with guys like Shandor, Salomon, and Wood. What's your expectations uh, more on Matthew Wood for year two? I'm excited to see what he can bring. My big thing with him is I feel like if he can improve his skating a little bit, he can be one of the best forwards in Hockey East. Yeah, I think there's, you know, there's going to be a lot of pressure on him for sure. So you know, all eyes are going to be on him. You're a first-round pick. So uh, certainly, you know, a lot of attention is going to be paid to him. So I think, you know, that's the one thing dealing with the expectations. You know, how do you deal with the expectations? But, uh, you know, I think he's got some guys who can get the puck to him. Uh, certainly he's got, you know, a, a, you know NHL-ready shot, has some great hands. So uh, I'm, I am. I'm excited to see, you know, him elevate his game from last year. So obviously, you know, was the youngest player in college hockey last year. So Getting that experience uh, should definitely help, and uh, hopefully, I'm thinking you know he'll come into this season probably not that he was lacking confidence last year, but certainly I think he'll have more confidence you know in his second season at UConn. Who's your breakout player of the year if you had to pick one guy? Oh boy, um, you know for me it might be you know 
uh, I was thinking maybe Tabor, you know, he slipped a break. And I know while he had a breakout year last year, I, I'm I'm really excited to see, you know, what Hudson Shandor adds to his game this year. So I think he can elevate it even more. So I'm very excited to see how he builds upon what was a really good season for him last year. Definitely. I think the big thing with Hudson and Samu for that matter is how they do in the faceoff dot. I feel like UConn struggled in the faceoff dot last year. I think both of them really improved in that area as the season progressed. And I feel like I feel like if they probably worked on that in the offseason, I know we talked to Hudson about that this summer. I think that would definitely be a big improvement for the offense if both those guys can be elite faceoff takers and sort of uh, try to keep possession of the puck in the offensive zone more uh, than they did last season. But one thing that caught my eye, and I don't know, we were sort of talking about which freshman we were excited to see the most. In my opinion, it's Jake Richard. I really thought he played very well um, in the USHL last year. And he's from Jacksonville, Florida. I thought that was pretty interesting. I've never seen a guy from Florida play for UConn, at least not not that I can remember in the top of my head. So I'm looking forward to see him play. So, Chris, which new player are you looking forward to watching play with UConn this upcoming season? I think you mentioned before, you know, Ryan Mashey, you know, graduate forward, um, certainly, you know, uh, looking forward to sort of seeing what he can bring to this forward group. So I'm anxious to see him play with uh, the other players on his. uh, Be interesting for me. It's interesting to see who he's going to get, who his line mates are going to be. If I had to guess, I would say he's probably paired with Salman and Richard, two younger players to hopefully sort of help them trap along a little bit more Richard than Solomon obviously but that's just my expectation or maybe he's a third line player with Capone and uh, Richard or Percival so we'll see what happens but I do think he's going to be paired up with uh, with a freshman just to help them along kind of like what Pearson was with Matthew Wood last year yeah I don't remember last year but and you can correct me if I'm wrong but I don't think you know Cav had Wood and Salomon on the same line no Salomon was with I think I think he dinked around with it a little bit, but I think I don't think they were ever in the same line. I feel like Wood was with uh, Shandor and Pearson a lot for the season, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I would be interested to see if at some point he tinkers with that a little bit and has you know Wood and Salomon playing on the same line. So that would be interesting to me to see if he loads up a little bit on you know maybe a first line you know in some games or at some points during uh, games throughout the season. Definitely on the power play, and maybe in end of games, if they're trailing by one goal, he'll definitely load up a little bit on those two lines or those with those two players. But I feel like you want to add depth to your forward group, and I feel like putting separating them actually does that than combining them. It's like you never really see Malkin and Crosby play together because you want to add that depth um, in your forward group. I certainly understand that. I just wonder if, like, because, you know, obviously the home games, you get the last line change if – there's times he's going to try to, you know, make some line changes or some line mismatches, you know, by getting that last uh, line change where he might pair them together. But I don't know, just an interesting thought to me whether or not, you know, they would load up uh, on a line like that at some points during the season. So, again, it'll be interesting, I, I you know, what the line settle in as. There'll probably be some back and forth the first couple of weeks of the season trying to figure out what combinations might work. But, um, you know, certainly I would expect lines to settle in. But, yeah, it'll be, you know, this is the part of the fun part of the beginning of the season to see what the coaching staff does with this team. For sure. And we'll definitely be talking a lot about lineups as the season progresses. So I don't want to talk about it too much in the first uh, episode because I just don't think that's necessary yet. Anyway, let's sort of transition now and talk about our goals and expectations for the season. 
I'll give you mine first. I think this team is definitely capable of winning a hockey's championship and making it to the national tournament. I feel like they'll probably finish in the 9 to 12, 13 range in the pairwise, hopefully. I think this UConn team is very deep, and it's boomer bust this year for Cav, honestly. I think this is the year he has to prove that he can lead a team to a national tournament appearance, and I feel like this is the season to do it. Um, I, I know you sort of agree with me on that one, Chris. I do a little bit. I mean, I have a little bit of a different perspective than you. I mean, I look at it as they were voted – you know, number five in the preseason poll, my expectation would be that they could finish top four. Um, you know, whether or not they can win Hockey East, I think it's going to be difficult this year because obviously you look at BC and BU, they're loaded. Those are going to be and two Merrimack. very – and Merrimack too, that's true. Uh, you know, they're going to be two difficult, you know, teams to get through. I know Northeastern and Providence are some people sort of – I don't call them sleeper picks, but certainly teams that, that might surprise some people this year. So, uh, again, I think UConn's capable of being a top four team in Hockey East. I think they're capable, you know, obviously I think they can win a playoff round. Love to see them get to, you know, the, the Garden again this year, you know, potentially win a semifinal. Um, and then I would expect them to, you know, make uh, make an NCAA, you know, tournament. I mean, I think this is the team. It's it's a little bit like this is the team, right? They've been building up for it. I think, you know, maybe last year, maybe the expectations were a little bit skewed uh, because of what happened the year before. But, I mean, you know, have you a lot of experience on this team. And I think, you know, this is this is kind of the year, right? This is the kind of year where we go, geez, I mean, are they going to, you know, are they going to take that next step? And, and I think this is the team that that can do it and, frankly, should do it. Well, if you look at their schedule, it is arguably one of the easiest schedules I've ever seen to start off the year. They play three teams that I'm not sure if are going to finish over in 30th place in pairwise in Colgate, Holy Cross, and Union. And when they head off to what most people would I would say their biggest season series to start off the season against Merrimack. They might only have one or two losses under their belt, honestly. And frankly, they kind of need to because if they lose more than two games against the, in their first six games, they're going to be buried in pairwise. It's going to be hard to sort of get out of that. We saw what happened with Northeastern last year when they lost to bad Atlantic hockey teams and sort of lower ECAC teams, like what UConn's going to face to start off the season. Yeah, I think so. Let, you know, let's look at the schedule this year. I mean, this is, you know, this is where for me it's going to be, you know, yeah, you're, you've, you have a schedule where you're, you're kind of, you have to win, you know, you have to win these series. And I mean, I think, you know, we look at, you know, they start off with Colgate, you know, they go to Holy Cross. And I mean, I, honestly, I, I don't, you know, that Holy Cross is going to be a tough series. I think, you know, people maybe underestimate Holy Cross a little bit. I know you and I have seen them a couple of times last year. And, you know, with Bill Lee as their coach, they play hard. That's a good, hard team to play. And so UConn's got to come and be ready for that, you know, for that series. And, you know, you could see them splitting that series. And that, like you said, that that can be difficult for them. So, um, you know, I think, that you know, the, the season's going to be, they're, they're going to have to, you know, they have six games against, you know, teams that you feel like they should take both games from. Uh, but if they don't, I mean, you're right. They could find themselves, you know, pairwise kind of buried a little bit and then really struggling to try to dig themselves out of it. So, yeah, you got to take you got to take that first six, you know, those first six games of the season and really, you know, really come out of it. You know, I'd say obviously you want to. Well, I mean, at the <laughs> least four, you know, four and two. It's like, OK, but, you know, to me, I'm feeling like five. you got to be five and one or six and oh, in my opinion, to be, you know, to heading into your your sort of your your hockey e schedule at that point um, because you don't have a lot of other opportunities outside of the conference. I mean, outside of, you know, maybe Harvard, 
you and know, Quinnipiac in the CTI's tournament as well. Yeah, that as well. But you know, outside of that, you know, your your only options are going to be you know when you play your hockey East opponent. So, in my mind, not a lot of uh, you know non-conference opponents that would really help your your pairwise here. So you gotta you gotta you gotta enter into those first six games. And like I said, in my mind, you got to be you know minimum five and one. You know, maybe six and zero. Oh, you know, but you know, you could also see four and two. You know, you could see. You know, well, they have a ton of road games. Stuff. That's my big worry. Is they st- they have like three big road trips before the first week or after the first week of November. They'll have three big road trips. They go up to Hamilton, New York, to play Colgate, Schenectady, Schenectady, New York, to play Union, and then they have to go to that Burlington trip. I feel like that's kind of brutal, honestly, to start off the year. That's gonna be a lot of bus rides, and I know they're used to it, but like three. Two out of the three weekends, like that's tough, in my opinion. When a lot of hockey's teams are only having to do really one of those every year. Yeah, but here's I would say it's early in the season, so it's not it's not sort of stacked at the end of the season where you're maybe a little bit more tired and you know the season's grinded on you a little bit. They're all front loaded, which I think is good. Uh, so I'm not as concerned about that as you are. I think that that won't be as much of an issue because it will be early in the season, so they should be a little bit fresh. You know, legs should be a little bit more. Uh, underneath them versus if you were doing those trips, you know, towards the end of the season where you might be a little bit more concerned about that. So uh, definitely, you know, um, you know, we're going to find out a lot, I think, after those first, you know, six games and, and see where they are. But I think, you know, they 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 have to roll in, you know, like we said, you know, not to, to rep- be repetitive, but, um, you know, they got to roll into uh, their hockey season, you know, uh, pretty, pretty strong because it's going to get real for them, you know, pretty quickly. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I'm looking forward to the hockey schedule, though. I think that's one positive about the schedule is even though they have those kind of weak non-conference games, they can still make it up against strong conference opponents. And that's a testament to how deep and good Hockey East is, in my opinion. I don't know. I mean, I'm just looking at the schedule. And to me, there's not a lot of, you know, I hate, I don't. Outside of the first month of the year. (laughs) Yeah, I just, I you know, for me, when I look at the Hockey East schedule, I don't see a lot of. You know, there's maybe one or two teams you look at and you go like, okay, you know, that should be a little bit, you know, more, you know, that those should be games that they can win. But, I mean, you know, you look at it, you know, on back-to-back weekends, they got Merrimack and BC. I mean, that's going to be hard. You know, those are going to be really hard, you know, games to sort of, you know, come out of. And, and you know, you know, you could see them just, you know, split in each weekend. And that, you know, that's the way it, it could be, you know, as they go into it. Because Maine is going to be better this year. I think, you know, I'm interested to see how – uh, you know, Providence is. I'm interested in UMass with the goalie. They've they've certainly, I think, College Hockey News had them as the ninth best recruiting class this year. That's a tough weekend stretch too. BU, UMass, and Northeastern in the next three, and to end off the season. Yeah, I mean, that's you know, that's a brutal. You know, so you talk about you know, worried about them, you know, making the bus trip. That's a, you know, that's well, that's, those aren't bad bus trips. Like no, Amherst no, no, is I'm like is, thirty minutes no, from stores. I'm, no, what I'm saying is, is that you know, you're saying how you're worried about those bus trips. I, you know, that's more to me. That's going to be. You know, right there at the end of the season, like you said, you know, you got UMass, BU, Northeastern, and then you finish off with Vermont. That's a tough way to end the season. So uh, they're going to be challenged, and and they need to be ready for it because the hockey East, top to bottom, is is pretty is uh, in my mind is is you know, in my mind is going to be the best conference this year. 
Oh, definitely. And that's why it's so important to get those wins under your belt to start off the season because if you bury yourself in a hole against those weaker non-conference teams, then it's just really hard to dig out of like we sort of talked about with the hockey schedule. But I'd rather play good teams than bad, so I'm not complaining about it at all, at least at least outside of the first month. I would too. I would just say, you know, the, the one thing that worries me a little bit, uh, you know, I'm a bit of a, not a pessimist, but, you know, the one thing that worries me is that there are parts of the schedule where if they're not dialed in, the season could go really bad for them very quickly. You know, if they're not dialed in, if they're not ready to play, uh, there are parts of the schedule where, um, you know, it, it can it can get away from them a little bit. So that that would be, you know, sort of thing that I'm looking for is, you know, how are they going to be, you know, on a week-to-week basis? They really, they really need to be dialed in, you know, for every series if they really want to make a, you know, if they want to establish themselves as a serious contender in this league. One more thing about the schedule before uh, we wrap up here is Hudson Shandor told me in, during the summer, he said, you know, like we don't have a lot of big games. You know, last year we had to go to Madison Square Garden and Fenway Park, and he felt like we sort of circled those games in the calendar, maybe looked ahead in a few of those games, and he felt like there wasn't a lot of those games this year. So he said he thought that would might make the schedule easier a little bit and maybe give them more consistency and not really look ahead to a series like you were mentioning. Yeah, I heard that. And obviously, he would know better than I would in terms of, you know, how how they would sort of approach the games. And I certainly think, you know, when you go up against, you know, BC and BU, you're going to be up for those games because obviously we all know about their recruiting classes. I mean, they're loaded, so you're going to be ready to go. Um, but, you know, like I said, I mean, there's... you. you I honestly feel like you have to worry more about Vermont before the Merrimack series because maybe they'll look ahead towards Merrimack. That's something that might concern me a little bit. But I, don't, I honestly don't feel like they're going to look ahead towards any series, in my opinion. Yeah, I think it depends on how you play in that UMass Lowell series before because we know UMass Lowell is going to you know, gonna grind on that you. So personal. Yeah, so, they, <laughs> so they're going to grind on you, you know. So, I mean, I think, you know, you come out of that, you know, either with a split or something, you know, you better be ready to go. But I, I would expect the coaching staff is going to be on them about it. And I think all the players know that. They know how difficult this league is. And they know you can't go into a weekend being like, okay, you know, we can take the our foot off the gas a little bit with this team. Because then when you do, you look back and you now, you, you've lost one, uh, you know, one or two games that you, you really should have won. So, um, again, I think this team, you know, has the talent, has the experience, to really start making a mark, I think this is the year, you know, they need to sort of really establish themselves, but this schedule does not lend itself to be uh, an easy way to do it. So they're going to have to earn it. Now, one more thing I want to talk about, and I want to give a shout out was the women's team. They beat number 11 ranked Penn State on the road last Friday and then tied them um, on Saturday afternoon. And then they'll have a bye week this upcoming weekend before they head off to their first hockey series against Boston College. Uh, really, ex- I didn't get the- we didn't get the chance to watch this game because it was on Big Ten Plus, and we're already paying for enough uh, streaming services, both me and you. So we didn't feel like it was necessary to pay ten bucks to watch two games and never use the app again. But from the from the box score, the team looks pretty good. Tia Chan looks like she might be the goalie of the year, gang, only allowing one goal on seventy shots. That defense is legit. I sort of expected it with three experienced players and Claire Peterson, Ansley Svedek, and Cameron Wong. I think the big question is where their goal is going to come from. I feel like it's been fine now because they've managed to win or at least get good results out of these two games. But you hope that they can get more consistent goal scoring and hold on to leads because that's something they struggled with uh, last year. But I think we saw signs of players 
that are capable of doing that with Brooke Campbell, Riley Grimley, and Jada Habish, and Kareem Tamala as well. And I feel like they're going to do that again this season. But good results. Now they're ranked 14th in the country. And weird to have a bye week in the second week of the year, but I think uh, definitely that rest might help them a little bit heading into Boston College um, next uh, in a couple weeks. Yeah, no, that was a great series. And I know you talked about you know buying the Big Ten Network, although I may want to uh... – you know, uh, subscribe for that one, uh, that Minnesota series. I'm really looking forward to that. I think it's great that they're going to be out there. Certainly a big help to them to put them, you know, a little bit on the map and, and try to make their, you know, the NCAA tournament. So, but I agree with you, you know, and, you know, if they, if they can't find sort of consistent scoring, you just, you put a lot of pressure on that defense and a lot of pressure on, you know, Tia Chan and, and the goalie. So, you know, you want to, yeah, I would, you know, where's the scoring going to come from? Take some of the, uh, you know, take some of the pressure off the defense and the goaltending because obviously they are really good. So, um, yeah, I, you know, we'll see how the season goes, but I would assume that, you know, you're going to see like some of the players you mentioned, you know, step up and, and really try to contribute offensively to this team. I'm more excited to see Minnesota come to Descano hopefully next year. That's going to be more fun than watching UConn play them in Minnesota, in my opinion. But regardless, I do think the defense is capable of winning them a lot more games. Than, so maybe the scoring might not be too much of a factor. But obviously, you got to score to win games. So hopefully, they'll find a way to do that each game. So that's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. Really excited for this season. It's going to be a lot of fun. I, I'm excited to see uh, what both the teams are going to do this year. But really, really excited for this year, actually. I'm finally happy the offseason's over and hockey is finally here. Um, any final words, Chris, before we end this podcast? No, just a couple of things. You know, really, again, same with you. Looking forward to the season starting. Been waiting for a while. Great to have hockey back. Looking forward to it. And another note, just to remind all of our uh, UConn hockey listeners out there, that uh, October 5th is Jonathan 14th birthday. So happy birthday, Jonathan. Happy birthday, Jonathan. And Chris will be back with us in the, ne- in the next few weeks, and we'll try to get a couple of co-hosts to join us for the next uh three series uh, when Chris gets back. So uh, thank you, Chris, for coming on. I really appreciate it. Tomorrow night, since this podcast is being released on Tuesday night around 11 p.m., we'll be doing a Hockey East College Hockey Space with Kevin. So looking forward to doing that. That's going to start around 8.30. So if you guys want to join that and uh, listen to us banter for a couple of hours, feel free to do that. But thank you so much for listening, and have a great day, everyone. And go Ice Bus.